and welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast, the most insulting podcast in the in the business. Today we are joined by Matt Markle of Angelic Desolation. How are you doing today? Not too bad, not too bad. Just got off work and uh, ready to talk about music, I guess. How about yourself? I am good. It's like, like I said before we started, it's just, it's been a really long month at work. I have never been so busy for this long at any job I have ever had, but I don't think anybody wants to hear about that kind of stuff because that's ridiculous. Um, let's start off. Let's get to know you a little bit. Where are you from? Let's start there. Uh, reside in Denver, Colorado, as does the entire band. We all, uh, we all live in the same city, essentially. In this day and age, that's a pretty good thing, I would say. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know how bands have practice over the internet. That's got to be incredibly difficult. Uh, a friend of mine is doing a project with a buddy of his from Australia, and he's in the UK. And I have no idea how they can do that, but apparently they can get it done. So good for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you always lived in Denver? Uh, no. Born in Tucson. Been here or there a couple of times. Uh, so it's mainly been here in California. That's where I live the most. But I've been here since I was 10 years old. So I've been here a while. I would, I would call that your hometown at this point then. Cause from 10, I, mean, yeah. it's, I, I don't know how much you remember from the age of 10, but for myself, it's, it's not honestly a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. You, you have little, little pictures of different things that were cool in elementary school. That's about it. Yeah. I, I didn't even rem- like one of the funny things is my, my stepfather from that time, my mother, uh, God rest her, was married six times. So I've got a, a laundry list of stepdads. <laughs> the one she was married to at the time was a huge Pink Floyd fan as I became much later in life. But oddly enough, we he never once played it for me. I remember him talking about it and how Pink Floyd used all kinds of sound effects and that kind of thing and how they did it better than anyone. But he never once played it. Well, it's unfortunate. I mean, at least you're into them now, but it's definitely unfortunate. I agree. I actually got into them thanks to my cousin. And honestly, my cousins were a big, a big shaping factor in what I grew up listening to. I can remember going over to their house at a very young age and they were showing me, look, we got this brand new cassette. It's Motley Crue, Shout at the Devil. And I remember looking at the cover and saying, why do you want to listen to a band with all these girls? <laughs> what, I'm sure you're uh, not the only guy who said that. I'm sure you're not the only one. <laughs> I would, I mean, Vince Neil looked like a really attractive woman. <laughs> the only thing that, the only thing that made me think maybe he wasn't a woman is because he wasn't wearing a shirt. I believe, and I don't quote me on this, but I believe. Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, I was, I was born in 85. I was born in 75. <laughs> no, I think you're right. Actually, uh, no, my, uh, my bass player, he's huge in the Motley Crue. So uh, I am, I'm well-versed in everything there is Motley Crue. I, I'm a very casual fan of Motley Crue. I like the fact that they didn't go crazy putting out albums because honestly they're, they would they put out six i think see the self-title or too fast for love shout at the devil theater of pain girls 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 dr feel good motley crew generation swine saints of eight they put out eight records in 35 years pretty good i mean like you said it's not excessive it's it's hard to get sick of it they didn't oversaturate themselves that is correct and for a band that doesn't have a whole lot of range, I think they did a lot of interesting or a lot of different sounding albums. But yeah, for the most part, I don't think they're very good at making full albums. So imagine if they had done 15. Yeah, no, they're definitely a, uh, they definitely suffer from, you know, X amount of singles on side A and side B is kind of a letdown with maybe one good song on there. They definitely did that quite a bit. Yeah, we my my wife actually has a copy of Theater of Pain on vinyl that she had from when she was a kid because her family never switched to cassettes. Okay. So they went from vinyl to CD. And a couple of years ago we were listening to it and she just looks at me and she goes, "Wow. Vince Neil never could sing, could he?" 
had to agree. And this is also the same person who begged me to go to the Motley Crue farewell tour, which I actually believed it was going to be farewell. Shows what I know. And she wanted to leave after three songs because Vince couldn't do it. Yeah, I would say uh, he's probably tied next to Guns N' Roses. His name escapes me, Axel. I, that guy can't sing either, man. Yeah, but... And they've got a style, but that's yeah, about it, it. Axel's a lot like Dave Mustaine. Dave Mustaine is not a good singer, but won't stop. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing about Megadeth that I, I, I keeps me from really loving them. Uh, I don't know. Who, who helped shape your taste in music when you were growing up? I'd probably say the biggest for me, I mean, I know it's cliche at this point, but uh, probably Metallica, you know, they put out when they did the black album tour, they put out a binge and purge box set. It was like three VHS. Love that set. That's what I saw when I was 10 and I was sold from that point on. I was like, it's it. I'm in a metal band. This is going down. I do not care. <laughs> I, uh, I, I bought that with my, I was a uh, high school senior when that came out and I bought it that year with my Christmas money. I actually had to choose between buying goalie pads or buying that box set. And I really pissed off my friend because I didn't buy the goalie pads. <laughs> but to this day, I, I don't, I don't regret that at all. I think as, as time has gone on and Metallica has become a band that has never fallen into a pocket, never fallen into a style. And that's what I love about them. But when you say that really shaped your taste, that shaped my taste as well. And I think it shaped my taste in a very strange way because even now I still, I love bands that put out, I, I love the strange records by bands. Like my favorite Metallica album is honestly, and I swear to God, it's Lulu. I think there's only about four of you out there. I'll be honest. I've only met a couple others. It's, there's not, yeah. not many of us. It's, what I love about it is Metallica is one of those bands that will really pound it out in the studio until such point that everything is perfect, that there's never a note off, that there's never a beat that's not right there. And I like them better when they're looser. Mm -hmm. Lulu was recorded in 10, it's a double record recorded in 10 days. So then if you're a, if you're a fan of the, the, the strange albums, are you a fan of St. Anger? In that case, then? No, St. Anger is a piece of shit. Good. Okay. It's, we can agree there. St. <laughs> Anger, I, I think St. Anger is 90% amazing, but 10% of the choices they made ruined it. It's definitely, uh, I mean, I've heard covers on YouTube of people redoing the songs with better production, but it's like, it's the only album I feel like doesn't actually sound like Metallica. That's how different it is. I would agree with that. It, it's James was singing in a vocal range that he had never sung in before. Then they tuned way down for them. I mean, they had been an E flat for a while, but the real problem I have with that album is they, anybody who's seen the movie knows that they didn't record it properly. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, they chose to put rules in no solos have everything sound this way rather they didn't service the song they tried to service a sound and i think that's what killed and then on top of that the producer was playing in the band so yeah it was a, it was a real awkward time to be a metallica fan that's for sure you know i watched that movie and i mean i never liked saint anger to begin with although when they play it live it's actually pretty good because it doesn't sound like that then it sounds like metallica like it came the CD came with a DVD of them playing the entire album all the way through with Rob, with Rob. And yeah. that actually sounded pretty decent. It still wasn't great, but the first time I heard anything off St. Anger was when they were doing, what was it? VH1 icons or something like that. And they were playing frantic and I'm like, Oh my God, this song is amazing. I can't wait to hear this whole album. Then I heard the album. I'm sh I know nobody can see this, but I'm shaking my head in disgust because <laughs> then, you know, you find out later that they didn't even play the whole thing. They were like sampling everything and it's just, ugh. 
and the more the more and more I learned about that album from the some kind of monster movie, the whole time I'm watching that going, oh, that's why that album's a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah, it was really uh, it's interesting too to hear Newstead's take on them wanting to get into therapy and everything. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I to me, you know, Newstead is his own thing, but he's no Cliff. But I feel like in both occasions, the bass player was probably the one who was keeping them in the direction they were going. You know, I mean, like once that bass player left, their sound changed. Then you got um, Newstead, bass player leaves, the sound changes. It's like that's not super common for a band, but for Metallica, it is, I guess. That isn't. That's a really good point. I have never thought about that with them, because when they when Cliff when Cliff died, they went from puppets to Justice, and Justice was very different. And yeah. it makes it makes me wonder what would have happened had they waited six months to record that, rather than had they taken the six months off they should have after Cliff yeah. died. Because I, I think a big part of why they cut the bass out wasn't necessarily hazing Jason, but just not wanting to hear it. Yeah, I mean, anybody who is a fan of that album has probably pulled up remastered tracks at some point on YouTube and. It sounds so much better when it's the way it's supposed to sound. That that's a hard that's a hard thing to say. And Justice for All was when I got on board with Metallica. That was when they, you know, because where I was living when they were coming up, it you know I was living in rural flyover country, and you know we don't get a whole lot of brand new stuff. And so the when they finally started to break out was Justice, as everybody knows. And that's when I heard it. And listening to Justice, it never, because back then nobody had stereos on their televisions. Nobody had good radios. So you, you never heard the bass anyway. So, but I, and I, yes, I have gone back and I have listened to the recordings with the bass and it sounds wrong. <laughs> yeah, it I mean. It sounds wrong to me. I didn't, I guess it's definitely, it's a matter of perspective for sure. Cause I just certainly didn't grow up with it. Um, I discovered Metallica by seeing, I think the Unforgiven music video at some point on MTV as a kid, like that's how I found them. So. Yeah. Well, when, when they were coming up, I mean, I never even saw one in regular rotation or anything. So, I mean, it, it's amazing how quickly they jumped from nobody to filling stadiums. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I've only seen them once, but uh, I mean, I'll definitely say I've never seen a live show quite like that, man. I mean, with the money they have now and the lasers and the pyro and they still they can still bring it, even though they're, you know, pushing 60. It, it's it's depressing to think about how old they are. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, when I think about how old I am now and how old they were when I heard of them, I'm 20 years older than they were when I heard of them. Yeah. Which I mean, that's. That's insane. I'm pretty much going to be dead soon. So, I mean, it's, it's been good talking to you. <laughs> uh, but what what do you think of, since we're talking about Metallica anyway, what about the Load and Reload albums? Since you came in later, you didn't come in when they were really heavy and really progressive. What about those two albums? So um, I actually, again, I think this is a matter of perspective. I've gone over this with some friends in the past. Um, not hearing them until so i see a music video i'm too young to really buy cds and the first cd i actually purchase of theirs is reload and i love it because it's the heaviest thing i've heard at that point you know i'm just listening to whatever's on the radio at that point and so as far as i'm concerned reload is fast and it's heavy and it's awesome and then everyone who's older than me is telling me you think this is good you should go back and listen to their old stuff so as a fan coming in at that point I just had this whole library of awesome to look forward to. Whereas if you started at the beginning, you don't really have a library of awesome to look forward to, at least not on the same scale. I, I'm one of the few people I know that genuinely likes Load and Reload, but I think they would have yeah. made one amazing 60-minute record. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, it was a giant stylistic change, so I get how you uh, aggravated all your old-school fans. But if you objectively look at Load, like, Load is a really decent, like kind of hard rock, maybe shades of country, you know, in there a little bit too. It's not bad. The way they always described it was they were listening to a lot of Deep Purple at that time. I can okay. remember, I can remember an interview with Lars around that time in Rolling Stone, 
and they were they were talking to him you know who are your peers and he's like Allison Chains Thin Lizzy and Deep Purple and it's like oh okay and then when you put those three bands together I think you get love yeah I can see that for sure and I actually uh I mean it's it's not exactly Metallica space but uh as an old school Opeth fan, I actually feel like they're kind of like a modern equivalent of what Metallica did when they started. They were heavy, got proggy, really, you know, blew everybody away. But then in their later albums, I'm not saying it's bad music, but this is not Opeth. And I feel like if it was the same thing, if you were to discover Opeth today, you'd probably like the music, but then I'd be the guy telling you, dude, listen to their old stuff. Like Opeth almost followed the exact same course. See, because I grew up listening to Metallica as my favorite band for years, that kind of thing is really cool to me. I like it when bands do different things. My favorite Slayer albums are Diabolus and Musica, which everybody hates, and Seasons in the Abyss. I think the rest of it is all pretty overrated. I'm, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely following the category of people that aren't a huge fan of uh, Diabolus, but man, the first thing I learned all the way through on guitar with Seasons and Rain of Blood. So I'm a huge Seasons fan. Seasons to me was, that was the zenith of what Slayer could be at that time with Dave Lombardo. And that, you know, when you listen to, or I should say, when I listen to Rain and Blood or when I listen to South of Heaven, I hear almost the same album back to back. Yeah, I mean, that's anything prior to Diabolus, I almost say you could make that entire argument. They're like, they just choose the same frets. There's no music theory behind any of it. I mean, I'd say it's, it's still Slayer. It's still good, but I can see that. Well, and, and I will also say Dead Skin Mask and, and South of Heaven are almost the same song. They're in the same area on the guitar. That's for damn sure. Yeah, and I also, I, I will say that one of the times I saw Slayer with Gary Holt, he completely screwed up the solo to Dead Skin Mask. Which kind of ruined the whole show for me, but but I, yeah, I've also been Gary Holt I think three times in Exodus too, which I'm also not a big fan of Exodus because of the vocals. I don't like those yeah. vocals. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I've heard arguments. Well, people make the argument that Exodus is better than Anthrax, and they should be in the big four, and that'd be a whole another can of worms. But I don't think Exodus is good enough to take over Anthrax. I, even not as a fan of Anthrax, I don't even like Anthrax. I don't think Exodus is better than them. To me, Exodus is B-level thrash. Yeah, for sure. And no, no disrespect, but you know, in 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 every in 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 every race, you've got winners and you've got losers and you've got the Midlands. And to me, Exodus is Midland, and Anthrax is just barely above the Midlands for me. I, I have never, apart from Attack of the Killer Bees, which has a lot of cool, fun songs on it, I can't get into Anthrax. I've tried. Yeah, same thing. I actually, um, I will generally make the argument that I think Testament should take Anthrax out of the big four. Like I, Testament doesn't have, I mean, even if you want to get, even if you want to say they went soft with, the hell's that song, maybe Legacy? I mean, they have that one ballad that everyone gave them crap for. But besides that, I mean, Testament's practically bulletproof. I love Testament. I've seen them... I've lost, I've literally lost count how many times. Um, I will tell you, they were at the first show I ever went to, which was Iron Maiden Fear of the Dark in 92. I saw them with Exodus. I saw them open for Slayer on Slayer's Farewell Tour. I saw, an, I'm pretty sure there was another one. I don't know for sure though. Don't, don't hold me to it. It's the last like five or six years I've gone to so many shows. I've really lost count of them and really lost track. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. No, it's, it's not. I also don't know how many times I've seen poison. Maybe. I'm, uh, no, for me, Slayer and cannibal corpse. And I, I've totally lost count how many times I've seen those bands. Slayer, not so much anymore, but man, when they were, when they were kicking, I was there every time. Uh, I saw Slayer in 98, 97, in 98 i don't remember it was 97 or 98 it was on the diabolus tour when they were on Ozfest. i saw them in 14 on the first big tour after heineman died and i saw them on the repentless tour and i saw them on the farewell tour which 
I think it goes back to growing up, not being able to go to many shows. And, you know, when I was first on my own working 80 hours a week, making five bucks an hour, not being able to afford many shows that I don't see bands many times all that often. It's, I, I just use that time to see somebody else. Yeah, and I think, and that's why it took me tw- almost twenty years to see Metallica a second time, or to see Metallica a third time. Yeah, I mean, I've only seen it once, and that was maybe three, four years ago. Because oh, I mean, the hardwire, oh, the hardwired tour. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. Yep, um, I'm I'm picturing the backdrop. So it was the hardwired tour, and I just knew in my head, I like, I cannot die, not moshing to Master of Puppets and Creeping Death. Like I have to punch people to these songs. I am paying five hundred dollars. <laughs> For two tickets, I've, I've got to do this. Now, when you saw them, did they play the stadium or did they play the arena? Uh, it was in, in Vesco Field, so it was in a stadium. Okay. Um, yeah, That's how I saw them, too, because I saw them in 2017. They played Bush Stadium, and it was it's the it was the first stadium show I had ever been to. Just The bands I like don't play stadiums. And, yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> well, yeah, and then, you know, the bands I do like that do play stadiums don't come here. You know, we're we're a little bit smaller than New York or Chicago. So how big actually how big is Denver? How big is the metro there? Um, as far as skyline goes, uh it's not that impressive. But even through everything that's happened over the past year, we've had ten to twelve cranes in the Denver. I mean, that's usually a pretty good indicator of how much things are building and there's cranes everywhere. People are moving here in droves. No, I mean people. How how many people are there? Too many. It takes an hour to get from Denver to Denver. It's ridiculous. We're we're at about three million in the metro now. Okay. Yeah, I I haven't looked at Denver's numbers. Uh, I probably don't want to know. There's too many people here. Well, I I know a lot of people were moving out of California into Denver. So. Yeah. Then the belief is that they're going to start moving out of Denver into St. Louis. So you're welcome. Well, there's a lot of people going to Austin too. It seems like uh, a lot of people going to Texas. So it's fine. Do whatever you got to do. I feel like people moved here in droves because we had legal weed, but now everywhere has legal weed. So get out of here. Even Missouri, I think. I'm not entirely sure. I know we voted for it, but our legislature has not been very good about putting in the things that we voted for. I think the legislature thought we were going to vote them all down, so they didn't do it. But that's a whole other can of worms. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, when you, I think, I don't remember what the initial estimates were, but I know we blew past how much we thought we were going to have for extra cash and taxation by like hundreds of millions of dollars. It's, it's ridiculous how much money is being made on this. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Uh, Illinois has it as we don't have, we have legal, if it's legal, I'm pretty sure it is. We have medicinal, which I mean, medicinal is you pay 30 bucks and it's recreational. So yeah. Uh, but Illinois has Illinois has recreational, and since we're right on the border, we know when the when the dispensaries in Illinois opened up, half the people there were from St. Louis. I, just, I don't believe. I understand. Yeah, lines going out the door. I know how it is. Just like when Illinois had the lottery, half the people in line for the lottery were from St. Louis before we had it. We always yeah. follow. We always follow the things that Illinois does. When Illinois went to sixty five, we went to sixty five. When Illinois got the lotto, we got the lotto. When Illinois put in gambling, we got gambling. So, well, we're no, not very I mean, like you said, thinking here. Yeah, but I mean, if you uh, if you have a lot of people moving there, like you know, whoever whoever they is, whoever says that, um, I mean, you're more likely to get the, or rather recreational weed because you're just having outside opinions come in. I guess it's. I mean. For, quite honestly, it's not that far away from it being nationwide. I, I would imagine that somebody is going to go, you know what, look at all the money they made in Denver. Look at all the money they made in Illinois. Look at all the money they're going to make in New York. And somebody's going to put it federal. Somebody's going to finally say we can get the deficit down. We can get our debt down if we just do, if we do this and tax it. No, that's, uh, I think like the last time we talked, um, that's where our train system is coming from. It's where who knows they're going to take 25 years to build this whole thing, but it's all be money. Are you serious? Yo, know, they, I mean, so we have the initial, the initial idea was that X amount is going to go to schools. X amount is going to go to these things, but we have so much extra, like 
hundreds, like almost, I want to say we're almost close to a billion in extra tax revenue. You got to go somewhere. I, I can remember when it first hit and everybody talking about all this extra millions of dollars that, that Colorado has now. God, that's insane. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, it's probably going to take them 25, 30 years to build the whole thing, but uh, it's been nonstop forever now. I mean, <laughs> I don't even remember what my freeways used to look like when I moved here. They have changed so much, but wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I'm always, I've been on the record for 30 years that it should be legal because there's no reason not to be, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, I'm glad to see, though, that people are making responsible choices and, you know, doing, helping out everybody else with it. Because that's, to me, that's the whole purpose of tax money is to help everyone. So, yeah, I mean, that better be the purpose of it. Otherwise, give it back to me, you know. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, we're going to go down a rabbit hole that we probably shouldn't go down. So, let's let's tuck that back a little bit. Uh, I also can remember when, when it became legal here, you know, cause I, I go to a lot of shows at a place called FUBAR. Well, it's not FUBAR anymore, but, and I, you know, you can talk to all the bands that are there and, and I can hearing all the stories about people getting popped when they cross from Colorado into Kansas. Yeah. All the musicians, they see, they see the tour van and they pull them over. Oh yeah. They, I've, uh, if we go anywhere near California, like we take I-70 um, going out westward, if your plates are Colorado, they just pull you over because you have green plates. There's no other reason. Oh. Oh, I don't. Why does that not surprise me even a little? That, that, that seems like a waste of fucking time. Yeah. I mean, I know. I mean, Utah's pretty big on it. They'll pull you over right away, but I know they just legalize i don't know if they have recreational but they definitely have medicinal but i uh i don't think the police behavior will stop because now now mushrooms have been legalized here for medicinal use i don't know if they're going to get to recreational but as we start they, going wait, down they legalize they legalize mushrooms for medicinal use yes indeed okay i was unaware of that one that's a, that's a new one on me yeah it's uh i don't know we'll see what happens <laughs> be interesting if Marlboro really gets into this game or something and you can buy weed and mushrooms with your liquor, that'll be an interesting future. Well, I, I can remember 20, 30 years ago hearing all the 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 urban legends that Marlboro and, and RJ Reynolds and, and Philip Morris had copyrighted all the, the, the pot names. So that way I'm, they could have their own cigarettes. Oh, that's, I mean, I would think it's foolish to think they're not going to get in that game because yeah, that's just, I mean, it's capitalism. They're going to try to get into the weed game. There's no way in the world they're not. Oh, it's not like, it's not like tobacco isn't a drug. Yeah, exactly. And I, I would think that, I mean, I can almost, I can almost hear the commercials now. <laughs> RJ Reynolds. The brand you've trusted with your trips to flavor country for the past 200 years. The name you know, bringing you the, bringing you the dank that you want. Yep. I don't know. It's, it's, yes, I, I wholeheartedly believe it's coming. And I just picture like some old grandfather. The, the commercial I picture is a grandfather whipping out a joint and, and telling his grandkids about how great R.J. Reynolds is. Yeah, and this grandpa has a flannel shirt on, you know, like I, I can see it. I can see it as well. He's got a he's got a full beard. He's sitting in like a rocking chair. I can see it too. <laughs> like I, I originally my thought process was he was going to talk about how RJ Reynolds helped him win World War II, but I guess we're a little far out for that. Cause my 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 daughter's grandparents fought in Vietnam. Who don't think they can say that R.J. Reynolds helped them win that one. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, I think World War II might be a little a little off for the younger crowd, but uh, yeah, Vietnam probably a little more current. I could see that. They'd have to get that out like next week, though. I mean, uh, I don't know. Moving on. <laughs> uh, but when I, 
earlier when I asked you about, you know, how, who helped take, shape your music, what I meant was who in your life was, was introducing you to new music. Maybe, you know, maybe that question is harder just because of where I live and, you know, where I live and I, where I've always lived. We, we've never been on the vanguard of anything. When I say we're not forward thinking, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a derogatory thing, but, you know, we never got the new anything. Uh-huh. So you had to have somebody in the know. You in the in high school, I had to, I had creepy friends that listened to death metal. How they even heard about it, I don't know. But that's how I found out about Morbid Angel and Carcass. Yeah. Um, so finding Metallica on my own, you know, growing up, middle school, early high school, I was definitely part of the new metal crowd, listening to Slipknot and Disturbed, and that was all. And that that was me for a few years. And honestly. Just, uh, I don't really have anybody that was older than me showing me metal. It was more, I definitely did this quite a few times, just going to the local record store and like, what is this album cover? This is disgusting. Like that's how I found Cannibal Corpse. And then from <laughs> there, this got burst into death metal. So for me, it was more, wasn't necessarily anybody older than me. It was just taking chances on album covers and getting lucky or putting them in the trash. One of the two. I didn't even live close enough to a music store to do that. Yeah. You know, where I, where I lived in my, my prime learning about new music phase, I lived 20 miles outside of town. And it wasn't until I was in high school that I even discovered a music store, like a sophomore in high school. And it wasn't, and it wasn't even like a real, it was a used only store. So it wasn't like their selection was spectacular. They didn't, when they had a cup, they had this black album cover in a CD. It was when I first got my CD player. I'm like, I'm going to go buy that black, I'm going to go buy the black album. And I pulled it down and I went, wait a minute. Who the hell's Spinal Tap? <laughs> the owner laughed at me. As now I know that he should have. But he's like, yeah, you're not the first person to make that mistake. So, sure. instead <laughs> I bought, so instead I bought Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. But I mean, that's, that's what I was dealing with. Not even, not even that. So, you know, the people that really helped me, I, I, I always go back to my cousins because they're the ones that taught me about, that showed me Slayer. They're the ones that showed me King Diamond, Pink Floyd, The Doors even. So, I mean, just so much. Because here, we just didn't, we didn't have a window into that world. Yeah, my, uh, definitely not for metal, but my parents, huge into music. Um, I mean, I'm looking at my closet right now and I have, uh, it looks like about 11 different milk crates full of vinyl that I've just inherited from the, you know, from parents. Um, so anything from honestly, as far back as Lawrence Welk, well, listening to that stuff with my grandparents, you know, uh, Glenn Miller and stuff. And then my parents, uh, they were more like classic rock people. So, I mean, I don't know. I probably have influences from every walk of music minus maybe gospel. And I guess. My mother, whom I love dearly, so don't, this isn't a slam, this is just reality. My mother lacked interests of her own. She okay. al- her, her interests were always based around whatever man she was with was into. When she was with my, my stepfather, Bob, who was her final husband and the love of her life, they were huge into Jimmy Buffett. Okay. She had never mentioned Jimmy Buffett once before uh, that. <laughs> when, and you know, when she was with Terry, she liked Pink Floyd. I mean, in the Grateful, she, no, she loved the Grateful Dead. She never mentioned the Grateful Dead again after that. And I also never heard the Grateful Dead. <laughs> but I mean, that, that was my mother. The one album that she shared with me in my entire life was the Eagles Greatest Hits Volume, volume One. I mean, that is literally it. My father was a huge country fan and he lacked taste. He he didn't care what it was as long as it was country. It's an odd position to take, but (laughs) I mean, to each their own. My father is one of the strangest people I've ever known. He is the greatest contradiction of a human being I've ever met in my life. That's what made you, you know? You had to grow up with that. (laughs) 
he was a liberal redneck. Okay, all right. Both of those things existed in the same space. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad thing. I mean, you're shooting it's... guns, you know, as long as you're, I mean, there's a, I wouldn't necessarily write that off as a bad thing necessarily, but I'm sure it created some interesting dinner conversations for sure. He, he was the first person I've ever known to say, you're born gay. <laughs> I've early, never heard that one before. Early 90s. Okay. Okay. But he would also say, don't wear an earring because you're gay. Well, you did say that he is full of contradictions. Both of those things existed in the same space. Yeah. <laughs> and he was both of them at all times. I, I, I don't, I, I never understood it. Anyway, not the point. But he, yeah, I mean, he would just listen to the country station and whatever was on was on. He was happy. Like, you would have thought that he would have introduced me to Johnny Cash or Hank Williams. Nope. So, I mean, I never had, I never even had that for my parents. Okay. But because of that, I try to introduce my daughter to all kinds of stuff. Some of it she likes, some of it she doesn't. She used to really like extreme metal. She's kind of gotten over it, unfortunately. I don't know that I'm going to get her back on that one. but Well, it's good to show a variety because too many people don't do that. And then uh, you're unaware of an entire world of sound. I would agree with that. And, you know, you, when you mentioned Lawrence Welk and Glenn Miller, I, yeah, I have those. I, I have those on vinyl. It's, they're, they're, I, I think, what was his name? God. Miles Davis put it best when he said, there's only two kinds of music in the world, good and bad. <laughs> that's, and, that's fair enough. I think we could all agree there. I mean, really, it's, Especially when you consider how in bed every genre of music is with every other genre of music. You know, every piece of popular music in this country comes out of jazz. It's all from jazz. And that's, but I mean, that's what music is, is every generation, the, the people playing it, listen to the music that they heard 10 years ago and they turn it into something else. Yeah. And I mean, even as far back as jazz, I mean, they only switched to jazz because that's where the money was. Those are all classical musicians for the longest time, but they went where the money was. Well, and, you know, I, I can completely understand that, especially, especially at that time, because, you know, in 1895, I don't know how many, uh, I don't know how many jobs there were for a pianist. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. Well, what, uh, what music are you looking forward to? What album have you heard about that you're, you're looking forward to come out? Um... I would probably say, as a death metal fan, Cannibal Corpse is putting out an album here in about two weeks, and they have a new member, and the singles that have come out sound, it's my favorite sounding thing I've heard them put out in a while. I mean, as a, if you're a big fan of a band, people will tell you they like and don't like albums, and you will justify in your own head why that person's wrong, and I am that person. Like, I love everything that Cannibal's done. But there is definitely a standout album every like three to five releases. And I think we're looking at a standout release this time around. Cool. Would you, I, I would say, and I'm not a big Cannibal Corpse fan. I, I like Cannibal Corpse. Would I would say that they're getting better as they age. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, the, in the, if we're going to go down the, uh, the rabbit hole of all these subgenres where everything kind of overlays with each other, um, the newer, I guess what you would call like the newer age technical death metal stuff doesn't really sound like Cannibal Corpse or the older guys, but it's still technical death metal. So it's like you said, they're like, they're always pushing the envelope. And even if there are only a few people buying their music, um, I feel like it wouldn't really change. They would still keep pushing themselves. That's just who they are. And that's the kind of thing about there's, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, and I don't mean this negatively, Cannibal Corpse is an elder statesman band. They are one of the original crop of death metal bands. Yeah. They could easily not put out albums. You can't tell me they're making a million dollars on their records. They could just do their tours and make their money and not have to do anything. But when a band reaches their level and continues to put out records, I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not too much younger than Metallica. I mean, I know... I don't know who the oldest in Cannibal is, but I know like it's early 50s. 
and Metallica is barely pushing into 60. So to well, see, James like, Hetfield is the oldest in Metallica. He was born in 63, I believe it was. Okay. 62 or three. So he's going to hit 60 in a couple of years. Yeah. So you, I mean, you have Cannibal, some of their members within a decade of James. And the, I mean, the musicianship, I mean, not to shit on Metallica. I like actually their last two albums. I think they're kind of going back in their a proper direction to make the old fans happy, even though it's, it's not a master and it's not a ride the lightning, but they're at least not putting out St. Anger again. So, but the point I'm getting at is that when you look at these guys who are less than a decade apart, the musicianship is not even close to being on the same level. No, it's not. And Metallica, whereas they do have a high level of musicianship for popular music, they don't have a high level for, for metal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I would say they're, they're, they're pretty midland when it comes to metal. There's nobody, but you know, the death metal guys, I think are lacking in the superlatives they deserve for their musicianship because it takes a lot, it's a lot harder to play what they play, especially at the speeds. Yeah, the, the physical nature of it is vastly different for sure. And then you look at, you know, when I, when I look at the, cause I, I mean, I've seen, apart from Morbid Angel, I've seen all the, the big ones. I've seen Obituary, uh, oh, and Deicide, I haven't seen Deicide. I've seen Obituary, I've seen Cannibal Corpse, I've seen Carcass, you know, I've seen all these guys and they're playing these tiny little rooms and just yeah. still out there it's i love that i think that's i think that's amazing that they're still doing it i don't know how well i don't imagine it's for a love of money because i don't think there's a lot of that going around you know it's, i definitely think at least with the subgenres, the underground stuff it's a, it's a love for the music more so than it is money for sure i agree and that's that's a big part of why i like the the smaller stuff rather than you know, although we've spent we've spent twenty minutes um, talking about how great Metallica is, but that's like saying you know it's like talking about Led Zeppelin. Everybody likes Led Zeppelin. It's fine. Everybody likes Pink Floyd. It's fine. <laughs> you know, everybody likes you know everybody likes Metallica to some degree. It's it's okay. It's like the it's like the Beatles, except I don't like the Beatles. But you know, the smaller band, you know, the smaller bands, I love them because there's no pressure for them to put out product. So when they put out product. When they put out an album, when they go on a tour, it's for the love of that sound, the love of what they're putting down on that album. And when you love what you're doing, it comes off much better for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. And being the kind of person that likes weirder music and likes the weirder records by big bands, they do weirder things. Yeah. There is a band here in Missouri called Grave Huffer in Springfield, uh, who I cannot stop mentioning. <laughs> Uh, their last album it's a total just death metal explosion and then it goes into a disco part <laughs> hey if you do it well fuck it. <laughs> it, it it worked really well and i mean that's the kind of thing that i like where i like where metal's going because i think metal is the only music right now that's truly experimenting everybody else you know i haven't heard any rock music like pink floyd or like Led Zeppelin, that's taking something and going somewhere with it and going somewhere new. And yeah. With metal bands, there's about a squillion death metal bands out there and everybody's trying to be heard and everybody's trying to do something to make them be heard rather than just hoping they go viral on TikTok. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's almost like a, a cousin to jazz in that way. I mean, at least with death metal, like, I mean, half the guys that are in bands, you're not writing things with like musical, uh, with harmony in mind. And how does this counterpoint work? Like, it's just, we're playing as fast as we can. And maybe the notes are wrong, man. But we're all just trying different things. Like that's, it's very experimental. So it's almost a cousin to jazz in that way. I, I would completely agree with that. And I once heard a death metal guy refer to it as heavy metal jazz. And it, it really, really is, especially when you get into some of the lead work and a lot of like get into the lead work of carcass and good lord i don't even know how you write that stuff not not that you know i'm a musician i'm a guitar owner I'm, i i failed at being a failed musician i wasn't good enough to fail at being a musician so you know that the idea of writing something amazing is very much escapes me 
but when I watch Carcass, when you see Carcass, listening to them on, on, on album is one thing, but seeing them actually do it is a whole other thing. It's, trans, it's, it's transcendent. Yeah, um, that's definitely a rule for me. Like if you can get experimental all you want with backing tracks and orchestra arrangements, that type of thing. I mean, as long as you can pull it off live, I don't really mind. I think, I, I guess that's, that would be my only one rule. Like you should be able to pull it off live. If you're going to record it and tell people this is my band, you should be able to do it live. I agree with that if it's a band and not a project. To me, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's one guy, yeah. Okay. Not even necessarily if it's one guy, but if it's just a thing that you're doing just to do it. I mean, it. I'm getting really pedantic, and I apologize, but the, yes, the, for the most part, yes, I would I would agree with you. We'll go seventy percent. It's okay <laughs> if you, especially if you, yeah, the way you described it. If it's a band, yes. Even if you have to use tracks on stage, you need to be able to do something to approximate that. And I think Alice Cooper put it in the '90s that they kept doing albums that they couldn't play live. Oh man! So he decided to do an album they could play live. Fair enough. I've never seen I've never seen him before, but that would have been. I mean, probably will never tour again. It would have been cool to see him though. Oh no, he'll tour again. He'd probably never die. He's gonna be like Ozzy. Yeah, he's gonna be like Ozzy, except he hasn't lost twenty steps. (laughs) Yeah. I have seen Alice, I don't know how many times. I've lost count him of him too. Uh, I can tell you, I saw him open for Black Sabbath. I saw him play at Six Flags. I saw him, <laughs> you laugh, but it's true. I was in the second row. Hey, I mean, he was probably laughing in his own head. I'm really playing at Six Flags. <laughs> no, I don't think he was actually. And, and here's why. He had a brutal planet haunted house. Was oh, I, do. I remember that. I remember Brutal Planet. Wow. I wow. don't know if it was at every Six Flags, but it was at my Six Flags. Yep. No, nope. um, I've been to a Brutal Planet. I know what you're talking about. So, yeah, I, I spent the 10 bucks to get a reserved seat because I had a season pass, so I was already getting in. But, yeah, I saw Alice Cooper in the second row at Six Flags in a tiny venue okay. for 10 bucks, And it was amazing. And <laughs> I have never been that close since. But if if you get the chance to see him, even if it's 10 years from now and he's still going, check it out. He has not lost any steps. I, I would definitely, uh, I mean, with our band, I mean, we're killing babies and like, I don't know, drinking blood and eating baby brains and throwing them at people. So like, he's the, the original guy that was trying to offend everyone on stage. I would love to see Alice. I, I Okay, I shouldn't talk about this, but I'm going to. I saw him... Now, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Never mind. Um, let's just say I saw him with another shock rocker. Okay. Who came up in the 90s and who everybody believed, oh my God, he's so special. He's so amazing. It's all this and all that. I saw them play together on a tour. And when Alice came out, the thing about Alice is a theatrical rock show. What makes him better than everybody else is he tells stories with his show. Okay. When, you know, like Kiss always talks about how, oh, we got this theatrical rock show and this and that. No, you do not. You have a lot. And I love Kiss. Kiss is my favorite band. But you don't have a theatrical show. You have stage moves that tell tell no stories. You have bombs that mean nothing. And you have a lot of lights. It's, It's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury and signifying nothing. That is Kiss. When you see Alice Cooper, his his props, his show, it tells stories. That's what makes it better. Okay. No, I'd, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him. Uh, I, I see. I, I saw him, like I said, I saw him with Black Sabbath. Saw him with that rocker. I won't mention his name because uh, I forgot it. I just forgot that name. Um, I saw him with, oh, God. Hailstorm. So I'm with Hailstorm a couple of years ago. Hailstorm is a great, great new band as well. Although what confuses me about that one is there's a brother and sister in the band. And the sister okay. sings and plays guitar and she's amazing. But the brother has to hear about her sex life every night. 
<laughs> well, hopefully when they're on tour, he just leaves the door open to get her back. I don't know that I'd be comfortable hearing about any of my close relative sex lives on stage nightly. That's just me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I don't know. But yes. Anyway, Alice Cooper is amazing. So definitely, if you have any opportunity to check him out, please do so. Um, okay. I mean, that's, that's like a rite of passage for metal. Because Alice Cooper isn't exactly metal, but he's pre-metal. And there's, there's a lot of Alice in everything we see. You know, he he put on, he was actually the genesis of everyone in Kiss having their own personas, because Ace Frehley said after they, because they, as a band, before they even had their name, they went to go see Alice Cooper play. And on the way back, Ace says to the band, what if we had four Alice Coopers on stage? That's where it came from. Okay. He probably didn't say it quite that succinctly, because he was probably really fucking hammered, but, you know, he was 25, so it's fine. Or 22, I guess. But anyway, we've been talking for oh, a while. Like you said, first guy with props, first guy with makeup. You know, a lot, a lot of things come from Alice for sure. He, he was definitely, he's definitely a font that keeps on giving. And it's still, and it still feels relevant and fresh today. It never felt, no matter how many times I've seen him, no matter how many different tours I've seen him on, it never felt hokey. And that's, and as much as I love Iron Maiden, when I see them now, it's hokey. Mm-hmm. But I'll still go see him again. Yeah, I don't know if it was a meme or if it's real, but I, from what I saw, it was Maiden Priest Testament Tour 2022. I am going to that. No. I've never seen Priest. I w- that, I'm going to that in a heartbeat. I have also never seen Priest. I've seen Rob Halford solo, and I don't recommend that. But Yeah, I've seen Halford when it was just Halford, yeah. Was it good? It's not Judas Priest. I mean, I, I would, I would not pay to go see it again. I'll say that much. Uh, when I saw it, um, he was the opener, opener for the Iron Maiden, uh, uh, not the reunion tour, but the Brave New World tour. And the whole time, it felt like he's like, "What the fuck am I doing here?" That's that. That's that's how much energy he put into that. Yeah. So. Well, no, I'm. Uh... For a long time, Priest was kind of just, at least to me, flatlined for a while. I'm not a huge fan of Tim Owens. I never really, you know, unless it's super early Priest, wasn't a huge fan. But I think it was maybe the last album they put out. That thing is good. Like that's, I haven't heard like, that one. It is good. It's on par with their old stuff. It is legitimately good. But my, my favorite Judas Priest album that I've ever heard is their reunion album, which the name escapes me. I, I wouldn't know it, yeah. It has Revolution on it. That's my favorite Judas Priest song by far. Okay. And for some reason, I never... And this, this is a weird thing about me. I love kitschy, pretentious-ass concept, concept albums. I love King Diamond. I mean, how do you not? I love Pink Floyd. How do you not, right? Okay. But whenever a band I love says, we're going to do a concept album, it turns me off. You're, uh, you're entering risky territory. That's for sure. It doesn't make sense. So I didn't listen to Loch Ness. Well, the, the next album they did, which was, uh, I think, about the Loch Ness Monster, or I'm... <laughs> I don't know. I, I never listened to anything they did, any of the reunion stuff after that, but th- that first album was truly amazing. And so Maiden, Priest, Testament, and who? That, that's, those are three names, said 2022. Wow. Yeah, that's real. I'm, I'm there. I don't know how I, I, I would have to be there with my kid because she loves, um, she does still love Iron Maiden. So. I mean, as a kid, how could you not love seeing Eddie on stage? I mean, that's something that nobody does, you know? And it's hokey, but it's still cool. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. But while we, before we get, let's uh, we've been going for a little while here. So let's start to uh, turn this down a little bit before we go. Tell me about uh, what do you what do you got going on for, for Angelic Desolation right now? I know that it's, it's not not as much as anybody would like, but uh, well, we do we have some cool stuff. Uh, so Friday we actually have a dual reissue coming out. It's digital only because it's not a vinyl or a remix. Instead, the singer and I got piss ass drunk and just have commentary on every single track. So it's fourteen tracks of drunken banter. 
most of it is referring, you know, each song we kind of tell the history, what the lyrics are about. But we definitely go on some tangents that, uh, I don't know, you start making lewd jokes. We might make a few people mad, but you know what? <laughs> That's what happens when you start drinking. Well, John Cleese, one of my favorite comedians, has said that there should be no off limits for humor. They really shouldn't. I mean, I feel that way. I know we're, uh, not everyone feels that way, but yeah, comedy is like comedy is what brings people together. You can laugh about something. There's, there's a common trait there, you know, a common thread. But I also look at the things that John Cleese did back in the day and there's just no way in hell it would fly now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a little bit of, a little bit of rule breaking going on back then for sure. Uh, have you ever heard the song never be rude to an Arab? I probably have. I mean, I've got, well, I don't on me, but uh, Monty Python, Greatest Hits, Volume 1, Volume 2. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I've heard it. I've got four albums on vinyl. I've got uh, Monty Python's Next Record. I've got TV from Songs from the Flying Circus. I've got, and I, I don't know. I don't know what they're called because it's, it's just Monty Python's gets. But yeah. Google Never Be Rude to an Arab. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If there's any children around, don't. I can see where this is going. I like no, it. No, you cannot. <laughs> it goes south really fast. Really fast. But so uh, drunken banter, uh, uh, that is something that is, is becoming more and more popular these days. And I've heard some other bands doing that. And I think that's, I remember we talked about that in our, our first attempt at this. And that sounds like a really cool idea. It was fun. It was, uh, you think to yourself, how interesting can this really be? I mean, well, we're really going to talk for five minutes per each song, but I don't know. Once you get drinks in you, the conversation just flows, especially when you start getting into lewd jokes. I mean, that's, to me, that's the entire point of existence is, is, is making connections with other people regardless and, and, and hope they go well. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what we are. We're social creatures, man. You got to make those connections. Agreed. So that can, where can that be? Where can that be ordered? Um, on our Bandcamp, which is angelicdesolation.bandcamp.com. Um, it is also it'll be up on streaming services on Friday. All the major ones, whether it's Tidal, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, it'll all be on there. Um, like I said, you can't really buy it. Uh, with just, I didn't want to. Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's how I am with comedy. It's like you can only watch a funny movie so many times. And then you put it away for like 10 years. You're like, because it's just not that funny anymore because you got to get those jokes fresh in your head. So we just decided it's better to just give it as a gift. You can just listen to it. No need to buy it. Just oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I hope everybody checks that one out. And what song do you want us, what song are we going to play by you guys right now? Uh, well, we'll do our latest single, Cyborg Vampire, off the last EP we put out. Spectacular. Well, I, hey, I appreciate you taking some time for me. I, I, I appreciate, you know, especially coming back and we'll leave that alone, but uh, definitely check out uh, angelicdesolation.bandcamp.com and check out the next song. Thank you very much.